I'm Pastor Adam. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. I've been here for nine years on staff, working with Pastor Chris and um, Beth. And I can tell you one thing, that the longer I'm around Pastor Chris, the better my life gets. Oh, I thought you'd show your pastor some love when he's watching online. Come on. I said, the more that I'm around Pastor Chris, the better my life gets. It's been that way since I met him. He is an anointed man of God who is called to serve, and we get to see that every week. And it's an amazing thing to watch. And we wish Pastor Chris and Beth an amazing vacation, and we hope that they're resting and relaxing and having a great time. And we just honor them for being who they are. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So it is my uh, first time on this larger stage, so I'm a bit nervous. And if you're lucky, I'll go so fast that we'll get out early. Yeah. Um, But I'm excited to preach today, and I want to get right to the word. Is that okay with you? Right to the word of God. Is that, is that what you came for? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's stand to our feet. Let's open our Bibles. Let's open our hearts. Let's open our minds. We're going to Luke chapter 5. Really quick, talking about systems, Pastor Skip. Uh, if you download the Version Bible app, this is available every single week to you guys. All of Pastor Chris's notes, all of the scriptures, they're all available to you to follow along with every single week. So you could even look down through this, through this app and go, I know what he's going to talk about. <laughs> you just go to Version, you go to More, you go to Events, and you click on Hope Community Church. You can follow along there today and every single week. We don't talk about that enough. All right, it's also going to be on the screens. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. I'm super excited. I have one job today, and that's it. It's to encourage somebody listening with the word of God to just keep on serving. It's the vision of the church. It's the heart of Christ. I pray today that somebody would hear this message. Just keep Serving. All right, let's do it. Verse 17, verse 5. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Bad company. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So I've heard this preached before that, um, that this would have been a major disruption and they would have tore through the roof and that there would have been this massive mess. But after a little bit of study and some, reading some commentaries, we found out that there was actually back then, I don't know much about construction, but they said that the the roofs were flat and that they were actually constructed with these tiles that could be easily removed without much damage or commotion. So it's possible that this did not create a commotion. They lowered him right in front of Jesus, verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus, 
because he's Jesus, knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Someone say amen. <laughs> Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Verse 26, the last verse. Everyone. Tap your neighbor and say, Everyone. <laughs> Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your great word. Let it be a guiding light to our path. God, would you encourage somebody today through the power of your word to just keep serving? It's not comfortable. It's not always easy. It is not always fun. But God, may somebody be encouraged to just keep serving. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. High five your neighbor. Tell them, just keep serving. <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of backstory. Um, here we have Jesus. And he had, uh, he had just come out of his hiding, so to speak. He began his earthly ministry at a ripe young age of 33 years old. And he began to teach people the word of God. He began to lay his hands on the sick and see them healed. He began to look at people who were demon-possessed and say, demon get out and cast out demons and he was he was teaching the word of god and and doing miraculous things and he was gaining a following and he was also gaining the attention and curiosity of some religious leaders of the day now i need to you to understand that there is a system in which religion or faith or god was worshipped. There was a system in which people were worshipping God for thousands and thousands of years and there was a group of people called the, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, and they were the guardians of the law. They were the guardians of all things related to how people related to God. And, and their curiosity and their interest was peaked and spiked because here comes this man who claims to be the son of God and his teachings are miraculous and he's touching people and healing them and he's casting demons out and they're curious and we find in our story them in a house listening to Jesus talk. Someone say bad company. Yeah. This would have been the first time that they would have come to hear Jesus talk and see just one thing, if Jesus was legit. If he was legit, if he was the son of God that he claimed to be, if he was the, the forgiver of sins, the healer of mankind, they were there to see if that was legit. Or if you know how the story ends, they were there to trap him, persecute him, 
arrest him, and crucify him. We all know that's the way the story goes. So they're there, and then a couple of guys who were up to no good. Okay, Fresh Prince reference. Don't do those anymore. All right. They come with a heart of service. Serving their friend who is paralyzed on a mat, they drag him, or they carry him, rather, to the house where Jesus is teaching, and and they realize as soon as they get there, we ain't getting this guy in here. It is packed from the outside to the inside. We cannot get in through the front door. We cannot get in through the windows. We can't get in through the back porch. One of them, maybe with a little bit of construction background and reference, looks up at the flat roof and goes... I think we can get him in up there. And before you know it, these guys are up on the roof serving this paralyzed man in a very special, very unique way where they're physically taking him to Jesus. All that they knew was that there was a guy in town named Jesus who was healing people. That's all that they had to go off. Actually, that's all the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law really had to go off. There's this guy named Jesus who is healing people. So the guys were carrying the mat. They just decided if we can get this sick guy to the guy who we hear is doing miracles, then the sick guy will be healed. I thought I'd get a little bit more of an amen right there. (laughs) Yeah. If we could just get the sick guy to the Jesus guy... I mean, it's worth pushing through this crowd. It's worth going up on this roof. It's worth getting this tile moved out of the way and physically lowering this guy down into the room where Jesus is. Now, I want you, I want to point out two things and I want to, I want to take the perspective of these men on the roof for a second because I believe that once they get up there, once they get the tile out of the way and lower the guy down to Jesus, I believe that we get a bird's eye view and we get a master class in serving people. I believe that they learned a couple of things from up on that roof that I want us to pay attention to. Are you ready? Ready. All right. That's called the setup. (laughs) One day, verse 17, Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village Like I said, we find these guys serving in a big way and we find uh, the keepers of the law, the guardians of the galaxy, we find them there watching Jesus and listening to him talk. And verse 19 says, when they could not find a way to do this, these guys, they, they went up onto the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I want to put emphasis and bold and highlight and underline and circle. And I want you to look at, it was in the middle of the crowd. This jumped out at me when I read this scripture. It was in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Are there any teachers in the room? Just out of curiosity. Because I've done some teaching and And I know this, that any teacher who can finally get the room calmed down 
and finally get everybody's attention and finally say what they came to say does not like getting interrupted. And what we find here is these guys are, the Bible says, luring him down into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. This had to look like an interruption to everybody watching. As a matter of fact, have you ever been just down in it doing something so focused, so much energy, you're just hardcore, you're in it and doing it, and before you even realize it, you, re- you think to yourself, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. That's how I can see these guys up on the roof. And what we find is very interesting. How Jesus responds is a masterclass in how we're called to serve people. Check this out. I want to say that serving opportunities will often present themselves in the forms of interruptions. Serving opportunities in your life will often present themselves in the form of interruption. I want you to think, not out loud, but to yourself, of the interruptions in your life right now. (laughs) Oh, you are just going along, living your life, killing it. And all of a sudden, you had kids. (laughs) Now, I know we do this on purpose, some of us. And often in the right context of marriage, some of us. But what I'm learning about my kids is they are just the biggest, smallest interruptions ever. And that our conversations at home around 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night kind of go a little bit like this. Hi, honey. How was your day? Can I have an apple juice? 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 And my man, three years old, God love him, if you don't answer him right away, he's going to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. So an adult conversation, a mature conversation that married couples need to have to grow and to thrive and to love one another, they're not happening. Because we're interrupted. Every night, actually, I was just jokingly saying in the first service that parents with toddlers are often just one interruption away from going to prison. <laughs> yeah, I'm one interruption away some days of just going, Get! And, and sometimes interruptions come not in the form of kids, but family members, coworkers. Sometimes, it, sometimes an opportunity is an interruption. Sometimes an advancement is an interruption. Sometimes a demotion or a promotion is an interruption. But I can remember when I was a kid growing up, my my family, actually there was a family member who was troubled and down on their luck and needed a place to stay. And nobody else in the whole family would take them in. And my parents decided to give them a shot. And dad set the ground rules. He said, this, this, and this, or... You're out. And the thing that I learned being a teenager and and, and serving like that is, is that it was an interruption. It was, our family member was in our life. He, they were, 
They were uh, driving our vehicles. They were eating our food. They were coming on family vacations. <laughs> we were in a season of life that would otherwise be called an interruption. And some of you are right there now. Some of you, I don't know, you married into a family where now you got stepkids and you have, you have responsibilities you never had before. You have interruptions that you didn't see coming. And what I want to say is sometimes those interruptions are your greatest opportunity to serve. And that when those guys lower Jesus, the, the man down to Jesus and realized that this probably feels like an interruption, they saw Jesus respond in a way that was serving. And Jesus, the uninterruptible Savior, just looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. And what, what came into my day, because healing, healing and, and, and forgiving a, a, a guy dropping into the room, Mission Impossible style, was not on Jesus' to-do list that day. It says he was there teaching. But could it be the very thing that was not on your to-do list today is the very person or thing that needs forgiven the most? And he just responds in a way that is serving. And he says, you're not an interruption. I can feel him just take the air out of the room, take the pressure out of the room, just relieve the tension in the room, just say, he's not an interruption. Your sins are forgiven. It says when, when he saw their faith, he forgave the guy's sins. When he saw their faith, he forgave the guy's sins. Jesus was not shocked by the interruption. See, that's what happens. We, we get into situations where we're interrupted and we're shocked. We don't know what to do. And Jesus shows us from a bird's eye view what it looks like to respond well when we're interrupted. You're not an interruption. You didn't interrupt me today. You're forgiven. Jesus' response to the interruption was to serve. Put up verse, verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend. Oh, man, can we just start calling our interruptions friends? Man, when they think they got you interrupted, you just disarm friend. Lesson number one from the rooftop. The biggest interruption in your life right now might be your biggest opportunity to serve. That somebody's forgiveness could be on the other end of your obedience this week. And that what feels like an interruption is actually an opportunity to serve. I thought I'd get a little bit more amens. Just keep serving. Just keep serving. Now... Take a wild guess of what happens when you serve in such a way that is outside of the cultural norms of that time. Guess what happens when you dare to do something so audacious, so different, so out of culture, so out of the normal, that, that the people that were there to catch you in something caught you in something. Because the Bible says 
that as soon as he said, your sins are forgiven, it was a game changer. That did it. That was it. The keepers of the law, the guardians of the law, they said amongst themselves and began to think amongst themselves. I don't know if you could put that verse up, but they began to think, they began to say to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who is it that, who is it that can forgive sins but God alone? See, their red flags went off right away. And, and, and sometimes when we're serving, we do it in such a different and unique way that it just raises somebody else's red flags and they say, you can't do it like that. You can't do it like that. That's not, that, that's not the way we do it. That's, that's, that's against the law. And what Jesus, what do you do when your reward for serving with a pure heart is a challenge? What do you do when you're just trucking along, doing what you were called to do, serving in ways that have never been done before, and someone just accuses you falsely of doing it the wrong way? You know, one of the greatest feelings, uh, one of the worst feelings is being criticized for, for the wrong thing when you're doing the right thing. One of the worst feelings is when you're criticized for doing the wrong thing when you're doing the right thing. See, we're taking uh, personality tests in our staff at the church. And I'm learning things about my personality that I never knew before. And has anybody ever heard of the Enneagrams? I'm an Enneagram too. And what that means is I'm a considerate helper. And I, I, I almost just dismiss my needs for the needs of others, but I don't do it for the right reasons. <laughs> Sometimes I serve people to get an appreciation. Now, I don't admit to being perfect. That's not why I'm up here on this stage. I need as much help as you do because I've learned that in my life, if I go the extra mile for somebody or something and I'm not appreciated, I get resentful. I don't know if you're, I don't know if I'm the only one in the room like that, but it, sometimes I will make the carpet lines on the vacuum cleaner as straight as humanly possible. And I'll just sit back, pour myself a glass of sweet tea and I'll wait for somebody to notice them. And, and if they don't, I'll never do it again. <laughs> Ever. I will never fold the laundry like that again. The way I tucked that left sleeve over that made it look like it could be sold at the bonton. And you didn't even, and you didn't even say that you noticed the clothes were ready. <laughs> Forget it. My personality, see, I can get twisted up in my pride. And I have a problem when, when I'm serving somebody I anticipate appreciation because of my personality. And what Jesus got was um, an accusation, not an appreciation. Oh, Jesus, we've been waiting 400 years for you to come and forgive this man. Would you heal him for us too? See, if I'm Jesus, that's what I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating, here's a guy dropping out of the roof and I'm gonna lay, I'm gonna forgive his sins and I'm gonna be appreciated because I served him. I served him in a way that no one could ever serve anyone. I, the authority of all creation, forgave him. And what do you do when your reward for serving 
is a challenge to the way you served. What do you do? If you're anything like me, being challenged is hard to cope with. When I, when I pour my attention and my energy and my focus into an area for somebody else's benefit and I get challenged, I don't like it. I don't like hearing like, you should go back and look at that again. I, and I'm not on a soapbox. This is not all about me, but, but sometimes our pride gets in the way of responding well. Because if you've served anybody for any length of time and you have not been challenged, just wait. <laughs> just wait, because we could, we could baptize 53 people and then someone say, why'd you do it like that? That ain't the right way to do that. And you could be the son of man coming to forgive sins and forgive a guy's sins, the very reason why you came to earth. And someone say, you blasphemer. Who is this fellow? So then Jesus does something where he proves. The Bible says, I'll make sure I get this right. Verse 23, 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Verse 24. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority. You guys are going to put that up? Verse 24. I want you to know that the son of man has authority. So Jesus, he's, he's interrupted. He serves. Forgiven. Once he serves, he's accused. And then he responds in a way that is unusual. But the Bible actually says that he responds in a way that's intentional to reveal his authority. And I thought the way that he responded with intentionality to prove his authority was interesting. Because how he responds to prove his authority to an accusation <laughs> is he heals the guy. He serves again. Oh, I'm interrupted. You're forgiven. Oh, I'm falsely accused. You're healed. His response to his, probably his feeling, if he's a number two on the Enneagram, his feelings are hurt at this time. Because <laughs> I don't like being accused. And his response was that of service. And I can see the guys on the roof. They're getting all this. Oh, we just, we just totally interrupted this teacher while he was trying to talk. And, and he forgave him. Okay, write that down. Get out your notebook. Write that down. See, we're serving somebody once. And we're, we're, we're going to get ready to follow a guy who's going to serve somebody for the rest of his life. See, anybody can serve somebody just once. Actually, some of you signed up for HopeWorks. Hey! And you'll serve somebody next month. And it's, it's a very nice and it's worthy of appreciation and, and it's, it's good to serve people once. But anybody can do that. What I believe that the guys on the roof are learning in this moment was how to serve for a lifetime. And there's just so much difference between serving once and serving for a lifetime. And that there's, there's something to be said about long obedience in the same direction. If you're with me, go like this. <laughs> there's something to be said about I'm here to serve and I don't care who interrupts me. 
There's something to be said about I'm here to serve and I don't care what they accuse me of doing. I'm here to serve and they can, they can, you, they can hurl insults at me all day long. I, you can line all my haters up on the front row and I'm just going to keep on serving. You want to know the fastest way and the most effective way to disarm your haters? Keep on serving. Keep on serving. That's how Jesus responded. I bet you they're up on the roof just going, write this down. He's serving. They're interrupting him. They're accusing him. They're, 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 they're messing with it. And if we were down, see, because if I was going to prove my authority, <laughs> I'd hit him with lightning bolts. <laughs> so the son of man wanted to prove his authority and struck him with lightning bolts. That would be the story written about me. Oh, you don't like the way I did that? Poof. <laughs> or at least give him leprosy or something. <laughs> like, why are you going to accuse me? I, I'm, I'm serving him with a pure heart. But he doesn't. Actually, the most perfect demonstration of authority is service. The perfect demonstration of authority was service. He said, oh, you're going to falsely accuse me? He's healed today then. Almost, I can just, almost in spite of it. Oh, I'm a blasphemer. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. If that could be our response to the interruptions and the accusations in our life, we would see the gospel go so fast, so far, that it would be remarkable. Lesson two from the rooftop. True authority is not having to defend yourself when the accusation comes. Just keep serving. True authority is not having to defend yourself when the accusation comes. We don't find Jesus defending himself. I think we waste too many words defending ourselves. And you don't see Jesus going into some lengthy explanation of, oh, well, a couple years ago, I was actually like 40 years ago, I was up in heaven and the angels were bowing down to me and, and all of creation sang the praise when I created it and I, everything you touch, I, I, I spoke life into existence. And I don't see him going into this long defense and explanation of how in a couple of years he would give his life on a cross to save all of humanity and that he would send his spirit down and empower a church to be his disciples, to spread the gospel. 2,000 years later in a town called Hedgesville. He didn't defend himself. He didn't waste his words defending himself. Do you hear me? I believe that we waste our words defending ourselves. If you want to demonstrate true authority, just keep serving. Just keep serving. You don't need to defend yourself. Serving for the long run means you have to be able to respond well. That's what the guys on the roof are learning. Okay, we're serving this guy once. We're doing an amazing thing today. We're going to get this guy healed. 
And then from the rooftop, they're learning that long obedience in the same direction means that we have to be able to respond well when our haters are in the room. We have to be able to respond well when the interruptions come. That, that some of our greatest opportunities will arrive in the form of an interruption. Responsibilities you didn't see coming. Family members you're now taking care of because of a, maybe, maybe a loss of a loved one. Maybe you had anticipated someone being around a lot longer than what they were. And now you've got this newfound responsibility and it came into your life as an interruption. But what if we could learn from the rooftop this morning and we could get our heads wrapped around the mentality that what came into our life as an interruption could leave forgiven? could leave healed, could leave set free, could leave delivered from their sin, could leave baptized, could, could leave full of the Holy Spirit because we respond well to the interruption. I believe that the power of Christ lives in all of us to respond well. Amen? So, don't burn out. Burnout is a church word that we use for people who were serving and now they're not. And um, you might not be familiar with it, but it's just, it's just one of those things that happens in your life when you're tired of serving. You're tired of it. And what I believe happens is we're, what we get tired of, we're putting definition to today, is we get tired of interruptions and we get tired of accusations. We get tired of doing one thing and people accusing us of another. And we get tired of doing one thing and people interrupting what we're trying to do. And we stop. And what Jesus did is he said, I'm going to show the Pharisees, the guys up on the roof, everybody present, and the paralyzed man how to respond well. And I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to heal them. Heal them completely. Jesus taught us how to respond and how to keep responding well. See, this wouldn't be the only time Jesus would be interrupted. This is just the first. This is just the beginning. His journey to the cross was littered with interruptions. He had, he had uh, women, women reaching out and touching him and receiving healing. He had he had family members coming and begging him to come over and, and heal and touch and, and raise from the dead. And he would, from, the, from now to the cross, his life would be full of interruptions. And anybody following him closely would see they're not interruptions. They're opportunities. The woman at the well that Pastor Skip talked about earlier. Go home and tell everybody what I've done for you today. And he, and not only would he be interrupted, but he would also be falsely accused again, wouldn't he? Jesus would also be falsely accused over and over and over and actually falsely um, arrested, falsely charged, and falsely crucified. And I wonder if responding well is what to do then how do we do that? And I think the answer is this. It's the skill 
and the maturity, not that I have attained all this, to keep our eyes fixed on the prize. To keep our eyes fixed on the prize because I believe that Jesus had his, his vision glasses on. What we've been talking about all month, Jesus had the vision in the back of his head of the cross, of the resurrection, of Easter Sunday morning, of, of defeating death in the grave and then, and then waking up and empowering an entire body of people to be his church. He had that in the back of his mind. And when the, when the guy was lowered down in front of him as an interruption and he healed him and then the, and then the people started accusing him and the challenges against him started, I bet in the back of his mind was, what's a little interruption? I'm on my way to a very uncomfortable, unfortunate event called the cross. And this doesn't feel like that bad because I have my eyes fixed on what is to come. So I think today that responding well is very important and how to do that is to keep your eyes fixed on what's to come, on a reward that is not earthly, See, that's where we get tripped up, on a reward that's eternal, to keep our eyes focused on a reward that is yet to come, that, that at the end of the age, uh, that when, when Jesus says to us, the least that you have done, or what you have done to the least of these, it will be done to you. Well done, my good and faithful servant, that there is an eternal reward waiting for us who serve people. Can I get an Amen. Okay, just making sure you're still with me. There is an eternal promise to, to be rewarded in full for our service to others. And that is what we fix our eyes on. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Pastor Adam, this was Jesus. He was perfect. He was perfect. Yeah, sure, Jesus could do it. But I want to I talk about people who weren't perfect for a second. Are we, are we familiar with Paul the Apostle? I don't, know of any, I don't know of any human being that was more interrupted, I mean shipwrecked, arrested. Uh, Pastor Chris just talked about the, 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 the demon-possessed person that was interrupting him constantly and he cast out the demon into some pigs. I can't think of anybody on earth who was more interrupted than the Apostle Paul. I can't think of anybody who was falsely accused more than the Apostle Paul. That, that they would actually take his acts of service and arrest him and flog him and beat him and, and imprison him. And then he'd be in the, in the prison at midnight and he'd be singing praises. And, 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 and the angel would, sh and the earthquake would come. And I just started thinking of like guys like Joseph in the Old Testament who is, who is, uh, his brothers falsely accused him of having irrelevant, spontaneous dreams, and falsely accusing him of, uh, of things and throwing him into a pit and selling him into slavery. And I can't think of anybody who was more falsely accused than Joseph and then interrupted in Potiphar's house, in the jail. He's got it. Now he's got to interpret dreams for people. Come on, he didn't sign up for this. And I can't think of anybody who's more interrupted and more falsely accused than Joseph. And I just think about the people, the role models throughout all of Scripture who were interrupted and falsely accused. And their response was Christ-like. And their response was, I'm just going to keep serving. And Paul said, even these chains are, 
are, are beneficial for those around me because I'm here not to, not to be served, but to serve just like Christ was here, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And I think it's because Jesus had his eyes fixed on the prize. And I think it's because Paul had his eyes fixed on the prize. And I think that some of us have, have a prize promised to us by a heavenly father who loves us and who is preparing a place for us. And if we can take our eyes off of the earthly reward, because the earthly reward, I got to be honest, it's what I'm after some of the time. I'm after the attaboy. I'm after the I can't do that without you. I'm after the well done, the hand clap and the accolades and the rewards. And the Bible actually specifically says in a certain place that if that's what you're after, you're going to get it and that will be your reward in full. And I'm going, Jesus, help me focus my eyes on a prize that lasts forever. Because the reward that day for the men on the roof, think about it. Think about it with me. The reward for the guys on the roof that day was a forgiven, healed paralytic. Come on. The reward for serving was a forgiven. That is our reward on this earth. If you're committed to serving, then you will see remarkable things. If you're okay with the reward being forgiven people and not praise and not all, you're so amazing and not even all the time, you did that absolutely perfectly. But if you're okay with the the reward for your service, being a healed man, oh, then you'll keep on serving. If you're okay with the reward for a construction of a new sanctuary being 53 baptisms, then you'll keep on serving. If you're okay with the reward for your sin being drug addicts, set free, delivered, forgiven, transformed, if you're okay with that being your reward, you'll keep on serving because your eyes are fixed on a prize that is eternal. You can't take away someone's forgiven sins. You can't take away somebody's ability to walk once they, once they were crippled from birth. You can't take away uh, the, the, the refound commitment that happens in a marriage when a, when a couple goes through absolute hell and decides to stay together. That's remarkable. That's worth clapping about. That's going to get everybody going. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's remarkable. Because the reward is changed lives. The reward is forgiven sin and the reward is healing and redemption and forgiveness. And if we're okay with those kind of rewards, we'll always keep on serving. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Let's stand to our feet. I want to show you this, this, this last thing, this last thing. One more verse at the end. That's the best part. You guys can throw the verse up. I want you to see this. Verse 26, the Bible says, Everybody, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Who was amazed? I'm sorry, what did it, who was amazed? Yeah. 
I seem to remember and recall some, some Pharisees and teachers of the law that were in the room and they were doubtful and skeptical and critical and, 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 uh, and trying to falsely accuse him and, and, were, and were hating and, and talking and blaspheming. And I seem to remember a group of people that were in the room that by the end of the day, in response to a servant who served well, everybody was amazed. Everybody was amazed. Because you just just can't deny a man who is paralyzed standing up and walking out of the room. You can't deny it. You can't deny it. You can't criticize something like that. You're lost for words. You don't have to defend yourself when remarkable things happen. And responding well is how we see those things happen. So let's close today with a brief summary of what those guys would have learned from the rooftop. Lessons from the rooftop today. Number one, the biggest interruption in your life right now, think about it. The biggest interruption in your life right now could be your biggest opportunity for the gospel to go forward. Lesson number two, your challenge. I'm not talking about the things that are difficult. I'm talking about the person or the thing that is challenging you the most right now might be your greatest opportunity to serve. Sometimes you got to let your haters sit in the front row and just keep on serving. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Come on. God, we're committed to serving. It's what you've called us to do. It's who you've called us to be. I pray, Lord, that we would learn how to respond well to every interruption, every accusation, every challenge, every difficulty, every everything that the enemy intended for evil, God, we would learn how to respond well and see you each time turn it around. Turn it around for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your goodness and your purpose. God, I pray a special blessing over everybody here. Lord, that we would be empowered and encouraged by your word, that we would keep on serving, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen and amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.